we are at Purity Health in Mill Creek, and thank you for joining us. I'm Dr. Moreland. Um, anything that I say should certainly not be construed as medical advice. You should always seek out the advice of your licensed healthcare provider and um, or licensed medical licensed medical professional before introducing any diet, sleep, nutrition, exercise, lifestyle, hygiene, medical um, or medicine, pharmacological information and or supplement information into your diet, right? And lifestyle, okay? So speak with the doctor first and then go ahead and, and show up and uh, uh, ask them about the information that I speak about, see if it's right for you, okay? So today we're gonna talk about the microbiome and we're gonna talk about gut health in general and tips for the microbiome okay so the microbiome um it's, it's i feel like i did a podcast previous to this one but um as more information comes out i like to do the same subject again and then go ahead and give updates as a result of doing so so um the microbiome in the gut is a lot of different bacteria some aerobic needing oxygen some anaerobic right that need um that need some help when, uh, when in the body, as far as all the insults that we experience through food and water and um, sometimes pharmacological medication can um, really damper the gut microbiome. And it's a variety of different bugs living in a very um, commensalism relationship with the host and with each other to be able to increase absorption um, increased digestion, and why, what I mean is increased absorption of nutrients in particular, vitamins, minerals, um, that sort of thing, as well as um, be able to improve digestion. And then, of course, what we, what we know now, or what most people know now too, and we're always finding new information about this, is the links between gut health and brain health, mental acuity, mental acumen, focus, concentration, um, thinking, that sort of thing has a lot to do with the gut microbiome in particular, right? More, there are more bacteria located in the gut. And I've heard estimates of somewhere between about 400 trillion. That's T as in, T as in Tom trillion bugs in the uh, microbiome of the gut. And there are significantly less amounts of human cells. Maybe it's 4 trillion, okay, 400 trillion, maybe that's it. Anyway, we're talking a lot of bugs. Once you get into, once you get into trillions, we're talking a lot of cells here, right? But the idea is that there are more, in the human body, there are more um, bacteria species in the gut than there are actual human cells in the body, which is pretty interesting, right? It's pretty interesting. And we always think of like, you know, our mind dictates and, 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 um, dictates and kind of really chooses what we're looking to or wanting to eat. But what we're learning about with the gut microflora, the microbiome down there and those bacteria in particular, they can really dictate to us what we think we're hungry for too, you know? So it's not just, you know, me as a human being, I want that particular food. A lot of times, maybe in particular, a gut species is lessened or more pronounced, not necessarily an imbalance in microflora, but will also dictate, say, whether we choose to actually engage and have that food um, and ingest that food or not. 
and it could be used for good or bad, like most things in life, right? You can use something for good and or not so good. So um, thanks for joining me today. Um, certainly, when it comes to the gut microbiome, um, there are a lot of places where you can find uh, beneficial microflora as far as um, micro or probiotics, right? Probiotics, right? Probiotics, um, sauerkraut, kimchi, um, really anything fermented in particular, um, certainly yogurt to lesser appreciable amounts. There is some kefir, kefir. A lot of people are into making their homemade kefir, um, kombucha or kombucha, however you want to say it. Um, there's usually a fair amount depending on the alcohol and the acidity, uh, of the, of the, um, of the brew in particular, certain cultures of kombucha, which is, you know, symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast that feed off primarily caffeine and sugar, they can create a fermentation beverage, also known as kombucha, right? So there's also beneficial bacteria uh, or probiotics in particular in varying amounts and varying species in uh, kombucha. And um, yeah, yogurt has an appreciable amounts. Um, not, not anything that I would say would be clinically in indicative, but over time, perhaps. Um, I was always instructed by my gastroenterology professor saying, this guy was really big, obviously, into the gut and the study of the microbiome. And he would always say, you know, anything that's less than 25 billion, that's B as in boy, 25 billion per capsule when it comes to consuming, consuming a probiotic, right, um, is not worth consuming at all. You know, it's, it's really not going to make that big of a change as it would um as you would think it think it would. So that's not to take away from um, any of those probiotics out there that are less than uh, 25 billion, that's B as in boy, but you can get more uh, beneficial gut bacterial changes. Um, you can change potentially over time absorption and get more, um, uh, just more benefit from a supplement that is containing at least 25 billion bugs. The other side of this is too, is that some people, there's always this um, talk back and forth that probiotics that are refrigerated versus those that are on the shelf, okay? And that's kind of really the crux of what I wanna talk about today. When it comes to the choice of microbiotics or probiotics, I should say, in, in stores per se, granted there's a hierarchy, go see your naturopath to get some real high end um, and it, and, and is it going to cost you? Well, it's going to cost you because what's on the label is actually in the bottle, right? Um, but quality control, uh, research and development, third-party GMP certification and things like that are extremely important in supplements. And in particular, I would even say, uh, probiotics being paramount in that, but the difference between a refrigerated probiotic and perhaps a probiotic on the shelf is some will say that, you know, refrigeration, like we know does actually preserves the bacteria. Okay. But from what I know about biology, bacteria have this ability to be able to be, to uh, basically retreat inward and go into what's called a spore form, almost like, um, almost like a, a, a plant seed, you know, a spore or a, or a mold spore. So, uh, a bacteria, it's, it's not getting enough food and water. It's not in the environment for where it's conducive for it to grow. It's going to go into the spore form. And the spore form is basically um, a state of um, a state of uh, it being inanimate or 
I would say, the basic minimum requirements of living so as to save its energy. So when those con environmental conditions come that are conducive to that bacteria growing, then it will come out of that spore form. Okay. So the, uh, the argument or the debate or whatever you want to call it between a refrigerated probiotic versus one that's on the shelf. Sometimes people say, well, uh, 10 to one, you know, the refrigerator is better for me. And I think at the end of the day, I would say that um, depending upon the quality of the probiotic that you're purchasing, uh, brand matters, of course, um, it really doesn't matter sometimes between refrigerated or those that are on the shelf because of the capabilities of that, pro of that micro or those microorganisms to be able to go into that dormant state and wait until the environmental conditions become conducive for it to grow or peripherally proliferate inside where it's supposed to go. What I will say though, in particular is, um, probiotics that are in fact in made to be at the main place of manufacturing in that spore form. And I'm going to plug, um, megaspore probiotics because they make a good product. Those in particular are made so that they are in the spore form. So when you consume those, and, you know, you can consume them with a meal. I think, you know, I'm not sure what the fat, the directions on their instructions say in particular. I actually think it's with a meal. But um, what they're doing is they're in that spore form so that they make it through the gastric pit of the stomach, the hydrochloric acid pit, all these digestive enzymes and things like that. And when they do open up inside the intestine and they're inside the stomach, they get to the intestine and they're able to proliferate and seed just like a garden, see the walls of the, of the, uh, intestine. Okay. And, um, in particular, um, a prebiotic, that's a probiotic, right? A prebiotic would come along when there was enough seeding taking place, perhaps after a month and a prebiotic would come and that one would consume be a capsule. Sometimes I've seen them in powder sometimes they're very, they're very sweet. Um, a lot of them that I've tasted, but, uh, what you're doing essentially is you're taking a prebiotic, which is taking fertilizer and or water to the probiotic that you just delivered in regular doses throughout the month. And you're essentially starting to grow that garden. So you're re you're reinforcing it in essence that that spore probiotic to proliferate in the intestines and grow. And therefore um, it's, it's funny because um, a lot of these species of probiotics, when they find others that they, that are good for the gut, they will kind of give them a little help. So if, you know, acidophilus and acidophilus is actually a big one. L-acidophilus will actually find other bugs that are conducive to the organs, overall digestive health and help to, uh, increase and proliferate that, that particular, um, other acidophilus bugs or other species that they know are good for it and good for the, um, the human microorganism overall really really cool stuff so um you know gut health is extremely important um i usually tell my patients especially if an anti if if people are uh if, you know i i if i have to prescribe an antibiotic too because we've exhausted all naturopathic options to make sure you know if the antibiotic is every 12 hours right the in between on every one of those 12 hours so you know at 12 p.m and 12 a.m you're taking a antibiotic well, at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., take a probiotic. 
if you take them together, you're going to get, you know, an antibiotic it's meant to kill darn near everything. And they're pretty good at doing it, right? That's why we get well if we have a, a bacterial infection. Well, the idea is that when the killing has significantly lessened and, you know, um, six hours, and you still have antibiotic in you, it's just not as much as just having, excuse me, having a big dose. Um, so the entire gut microflora that we've built up to this point of getting sick and eating an antibiotic isn't completely obliterated. I prescribe that probiotic to be able to um, fill in the gaps where that antibiotic is doing its thing and killing the things that we don't we don't need in the body because somebody has an infection. Um, that's a great way to make sure that we aren't suffering secondary side effects like um, loose stools or any sort of digestive discomfort, um, gas bloating, um, indigestion, um, and obviously on board with all that stuff, you can you can help that digestive health and certainly help the um, the gut in particular by doing things that are great for the body, like avoiding sugary, sweet processed foods. <clears throat> excuse me, adequate sleep, adequate good quality water. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, trying to get that organic non-gmo food um a lot of organic food is in fact sprayed with glyphosate you know what they use that for roundup ready wheat and soybeans and um they spray that after it's grown as a desiccant or a drying agent to be able to transport that product and particularly for the farm to the distributor to the store so people are getting doses of that and that stuff in the way that it works as a matter of fact for the targeted organisms that glyphosate or that Roundup Ready spray is ready to um, um, kill, those are organs in particular, it kills their digestive health. It really upsets and um, attacks their guts in particular. So, you know, sometimes animal studies correlate with human studies. And I think this, in fact, would be one of those cases where, you know, it's, it, is it dose dependent? Sure. Is it, is it, um, you know, uh, can people have genetic predisposition to how effective that glyphosate or that pesticide works inside their gut? Does a little go a long way, perhaps? Does it take a lot for the next person for it to disrupt that microbiome and things like that? You know, a lot of variables come into question, but um, having a well-built-up microflora in the body really makes your money go farther by buying organic food. You know, if you're going to buy organic food and put that money in there, you know, you don't have to be a purist about it, but having, you know, 90% good, good food, you know, good quality, homemade, not processed food in there can also help to sustain that, which you've done to help build up a great uh, microflora in the gut and improve digestive health. So there's so many variables um, that go into here. You know, I've, I've heard it argued that anaerobic microorganisms are um, really what the gut needs, but how do you get, right? That's an organism that is, um, that does not need oxygen to grow. Um, a lot of that argument is that how could we get anaerobic organisms that don't need oxygen into a capsule when, you know, the whole darn world is surrounded, you know, it has plenty of oxygen in there. So in essence, like, um, you know, it was discussed that you would need basically an anaerobic facility, a facility without oxygen to be able to do that. You know, I, and I picture like people in spacesuits and like, you know, really, I mean, a really intense and equally uh, expensive process to be able to do. So maybe somebody will do that someday, you know what I mean? And really deliver some of those 
um, anaerobic bacteria and allow them to be able to get to the gut and proliferate. Overall, um, it would help to aid in everybody's health and wellness, especially in the digestive realm. Um, the gut-brain connection is huge. I don't have time to speak on that today, but definitely gut and uh, quality of, of the gut microflora, in addition to what we're feeding it on the day-to-day, -day, can dictate overall, you know, instances of brain fog, um, cloudy thinking, slow mentation, on and on and on and on and on. I mean, it just, and we're finding out more every day, too. So um, I think that field of study is, is pretty darn interesting, and it, I'm always amazed to find new connections drawn between the health of the gut microflora as well as brain health. It's like the mouth in general, the mouth is connected to every part of the body. If you're not having good, um, if you're not having good um, dental health, you know, get at least get your teeth clean twice every week, then that can seriously affect the rest of the body. Okay. Um, we got a question here and I'd love to answer it. So does your microbiome change over time? Yeah, I would say, I would say so. You know, bodies change over time as males get older, they make less testosterone, you know, women, those years of fertility, there's a window, right? Those sorts of things. So I would imagine too, depending on how you eat, what you eat, quantity of how you eat, are you supplementing? Um, and then the insults that are involved too, you know, how, you know, how much are people drinking alcohol? How much are people doing, um, other things that maybe benefit or do not benefit the gut microflora. So does your microbiome change over time? I'd say, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. A lot of that is gets dictated by, um, a lot of that is dictated by, again, personal decisions and things like that, but there's gotta be obviously a play of genetics in here as well too. And it's not going to be exclusively related to what we eat too. So, um, you know, do people, I mean, there's so many different things that, so many different variables, I should say, that have an effect on that. So I think it would be naive for me to say it doesn't. I mean, even if people get like, you know, uh, E. coli, food poisoning, you can be sure the gut changes over time if people get food poisoning without a doubt. Um, big time, big time, because you know nobody wants food poisoning or the result of, of having food poisoning, right? You know, and especially to have it have to take a trip, you know, potentially to the urgent care for the urgent care to be able to get um, that solved or get an antibiotic or get intravenous fluids because they're dehydrated. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there testing to find out what's happening to your gut? Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple companies out of there. Um, they're kind of off the uh, they're off the beaten path, so to say. Um, LabCorp actually does um, in no way, shape or form am I plugging them, but um, they do like a stool sample and culture. There are, snap, there are labs that are, I don't want to say they're naturopathic. It just seems like naturopaths in general, very generally speaking, order more of those more sophisticated and intricate labs that are going to take a stool sample and culture what bugs in particular. Um, and there's ratios of what bugs do what with our understanding of certain species cater to this, 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 and why people who are having extreme digestive complaints in their body, uh, it may be attributable to overgrowth or undergrowth of a certain bug or groups of bugs in particular. And by that, I mean, obviously the bacteria, the microflora, um, you know, and then there's these other things too, like called fecal transplants as well, right? You know, fecal transplants, I know it's not exactly, um, wonderful to talk about, especially at dinner time. Um, but 
the idea is that um, fecal transplants in particular, they find somebody who in, who is in fact a prime donor. I'm not sure how that's measured or whatever, but people do this all the time. And then they introduce some of that person's feces into another person um, and do that procedure, which is certainly not something I do in office, nor do I care to do. But sometimes people get revolutionary changes in their health, like night and day, like, you know, just because the right bugs were put in there and they may have suffered for gosh knows how long for whatever insults or sets of insults or whatever like that. Um, you know, and then I guess the last thing I'm going to say, because I got to get to my next patient, um, is certainly, uh, eating over the course of 20 minutes, right? Without electronics, without these screens, I know it's, I beat it, beat it to death. Um, 20 minutes using 20 minutes to kind of go over your, um, go over your eating. And in that way you don't get, um, over an abundant, you don't, have an overabundance of food or have too much food to where, you know, your intestines like, whoa, or your small intestines like, whoa, hang on, we didn't need this much. And then, uh, you know, if you put 20 minutes worth of food down in five minutes, you never get that feedback to the brain that says, whoa, slow it down. We don't need to have this much. We should, we should have some of this, but we don't need this much because now look at us. I only got gas and bloating. And, you know, you ate your salad first, which is fine, but you ate some more easily digestive, digestible sugars behind it. And so the bacteria can eat the sugars more so that they can eat like, you know, some of the things that we can process like the insoluble fiber. And now gas is building up as a result of digesting those sugars because the rate of the fiber that you're eating is the slowest moving through the body. And, um, you know, it's, 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 that's why it's its own field. That's why you have gastroenterologists. Um, naturopathy focuses on the gut too, you know, it's kind of where the rubber meets the road. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm Dr. Moreland. This is Purity Health's podcast. You can always come and visit us here. I can help you with things way above and beyond and digestive health as well, but way above and beyond digestive health. Um, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. Can I say that? I think I can. Maybe I just made that up. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. Visit us online at purityhealth.net or give us a call. Make an appointment at the front desk. I'd love to see you. I'd love to see you. Uh, 425-338-2357. And we'll come up with something next week that'll be as equally interesting or not more interesting. So thank you for all that have joined today. I do appreciate it with all my heart. And uh, you can rewatch this. You can uh, restream this. Uh, we'll put it up here as soon as we get up there. Um, thanks for the good questions. I'll see you next week, 1230 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at um, here on Instagram. All right. Wednesday. Adios.